Good morning, and a warm welcome to the service uh, here this morning. And if there's any uh, visiting and haven't quite had the chance to scan yet, uh, you're especially welcome, and also uh, a warm welcome to those who are tuning in online. Let's uh, unite our hearts in prayer. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for this, this your day, and we thank you for the words that we have been saying, uh, the words of of gospel invitation. We thank you that as we open your word and as we come together in this way, we, we hear the voice of Jesus say, come unto me and find rest. And we thank you that there is rest in Christ, there is satisfaction in Christ. We thank you that there is, there is a, a quenching for our thirsty souls as we come to Jesus. And we thank you, Father, that we can come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, looking to him and trusting in him in the work of salvation, which has been done for us. We come this morning once more looking to the cross, that place where everything that was necessary to to give us the rest that Jesus offers Uh, was secured. We thank you that Jesus, your Son, our Saviour, came to this world and lived for us and went willingly to the cross to die for us so that our sin could be taken away and so that rest which begins in time and which is known in full measure eternally can be given to all who believe. And we come this morning to you, Father, in the name of And through the finished work of Christ, saying we believe and we want to know that rest. We want to know that peace. We want to know that satisfaction of of soul that comes from no other place. And we thank you that the the promise of of your word is that everyone who who comes uh, will be received. No one who, who comes to Jesus will be pushed back. But those who seek to draw near to him. Uh, he will draw near to. We thank you that those who look to Jesus shall be saved. We thank you that those who believe in Jesus, who who come to the foot of the cross, uh, that we will not perish, but we will have eternal life. And we thank you that this this day, this, this large day, the first day of the week, the day on which Jesus rose, is a reminder not only of the fact that our sins have been forgiven through Christ, but it's a reminder of the amazing truth that resurrection life is promised to all who believe. And help us, we pray this morning, to meditate upon these truths. Help us to to take hold of the promises of the gospel by faith and minister to us, Lord, we pray the comfort uh, that we need at this time. Our hearts are sore. We do feel uh, that sense of loss. Uh, We grieve. As a congregation we grieve, as a community we grieve, and as the nearer family meet together, uh, they grieve. But we thank you that we do not grieve as those who have no hope. We thank you that our hope is sure and certain in Christ. And as we remember Ina, and as we give thanks for her life, We thank you for the the testimony that she gave over the years and the testimony that she leaves with us. A testimony where we are called uh, 
as we look to her, to look past her and to see Jesus. We thank you that we saw Christ in her. We thank you that we heard Christ from her. And we thank you that uh, today we know uh, that she is with Christ. That all she has hoped for, all she has believed in, uh, she knows in full measure. So we thank you, Lord, for the comfort of uh, the gospel. But we pray that you would be near to us uh, as, we, as we look for that comfort to be ministered to, to each of our souls. We pray for Angus Alec especially. We thank you for the strength that he has been given and uh, he has even today as we see him. We thank you for uh, your upholding of him and we pray that you would continue to, to be near to him over uh, these next few days especially. We pray for Catherine and for Crisalda. And we pray for Cami and for Raymond. We bring to you the grandchildren once more. We pray for Ailey and for Alistair here with us week by week. We pray for Rachel and for Sarah and for Angus. We pray for Ina's brother, Alistair as well. All whose hearts will be, will be sore. And yet we thank you for the, uh, the evidence of the joy of the Lord that is so clearly seen in them. And we thank you that as Ina approached the end, her testimony was that Jesus is close to me and I am protected and I have peace and I have joy. And we know that this is something that comes not from this world, but from heaven. So we pray for the comfort and the strength and the peace and the joy of heaven uh, to be received by us and by the family uh, especially as we bow before you this day. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us as we saw uh, the witness in Ina. Uh, each person who walked into the, the, the hospital ward, she spoke to about Christ. I have a new job, she said. I'm a missionary in this ward. And we thank you that she did that. Uh, even in her suffering, she, she spoke to everyone about Jesus. And we pray that you would help us uh, as we go about uh, our business day by day to have that same courage uh, that same conviction, uh, that we would have that uh, same obedience to the call of Jesus, to make his name known, to lift his name up. So help us, Lord, we pray. Pray for anyone here today or watching at a distance who, who does not yet know Christ. We pray for anyone uh, today whose souls are still thirsty, who are still uh, looking for something and don't know what. And we ask, Lord, that even in these moments that uh, they would see and hear and trust Christ. We pray for anyone uh, who does not yet have the, the peace of God, that sense of rest deep within the soul and that hope of eternal life. We thank you that that is offered each time we open your word. And we pray, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and that you would give us hearts that would respond to the the call of Jesus to come to me and find rest. So hear our prayers. Help us, Lord, we pray, uh, as we feel our weakness, uh, as we know our need. Help us, Lord, we pray, and uh, minister to us in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we pray these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. So we pray now. Let's pray and speak to God. Lord God, we thank you for the Bible. And we thank you that in the Bible you tell us the truth about who we are and about Jesus. 
And we thank you that in your love, you tell us what's wrong with our hearts. You tell us that we are sinners. None are righteous. Everyone is a sinner. We thank you that you don't leave us in sin. But Father, you sent your son Jesus into this world. And uh, we thank you, Jesus, that you went to the cross to pay the price for our sin. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, for working in our lives to, to show us that, that we are sinners and that Jesus died for us. And we thank you that you show that to us, uh, not to, to show us uh, what we can't have, but you show us uh, what we can have, the salvation that we can have. And we thank you that all we have to do from our hearts is pray. Those who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus, we're told in the Bible, will be saved. Those who look to Jesus, those who believe in Jesus, will be saved. So hear our prayers as we confess our sin, Lord, and, and say uh, to you, we, we know that we are guilty. And hear our prayers as we say, please forgive us for our sin through all that Jesus did. And hear us as we pray that you would make us Christians, that you would give us everlasting life. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. And we can turn now in our Bibles to, to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, and we'll read from verse 1 to verse 17. This is God's word. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, in a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care about men, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice, so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will God not bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith? Uh, literally, will he find this faith on earth? To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked him. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child, will never enter it. Amen. And may God bless that reading of his word to us. 
If you could turn uh, back in your Bibles to Luke uh, chapter 18, please. Luke chapter 18, and uh, let's, uh, let's pray again as we go there. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word once more. And uh, as we prayed with the children, we pray again uh, that uh, you would send the Holy Spirit, uh, that he would help us to see uh, our sin and our need of Christ, and that uh, he would help us to see Jesus and all that Jesus has done for us to make it possible for us to be saved. Uh, help us, Lord, we pray. We pray for those who are, who are not with us. Uh, we have prayed for those who, who grieve and we think of others who, uh, who grieve and losing loved ones in, in past weeks and months. We commit them to you, Lord. We pray for those who, who struggle uh, with illness and uh, who, who watch at home at a distance and we pray that you would draw near to them. Uh, we pray for those who were once with us and who have uh, drifted, perhaps those whose hearts are hard and who see and who hear nothing. You are the God who awakens souls and we pray uh, for each one. So be at work amongst us, we pray. and uh, We pray for all other congregations as well who meet as we do. Uh, those around us in Tarbert, every denomination where Christ crucified is preached, as we know uh, that that is the, the truth that is proclaimed here in each place. Lord God, uh, add your blessing, we pray. Build uh, your church. And for Stuart, as he opens your word in Scalpy today, uh, we pray uh, for him that you would uh, speak through him uh, and that Christ would be lifted up and many uh, drawn uh, to him. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now last week, uh, if you glance back just for a moment uh, at Luke chapter 17, uh, we thought about the fact that Jesus, uh, he's being asked questions about the coming of the kingdom of God. The Pharisees are firing questions at him and they're asking about the, the coming of the kingdom of God, which is another way of, of saying Jesus was being asked about uh, the end of the world and, uh, and when that would happen, when, when he would return uh, to, to this world. Uh, the Pharisees wanted to know dates, they wanted to know times, they wanted to know, to know details. And Jesus makes clear uh, in his dialogue with the Pharisees that uh, the date when he comes back or the date when he calls us uh, from this world to stand before him uh, is a date that's hidden from us. We don't know that date. We're not given that date. We can't mark it in our calendar. But we need to be ready. We need to be preparing to meet with Jesus. And this week we're you know, very much feeling uh, that sense of of loss with Ina not with us but having been back and forth to the hospital uh, over uh, the days of the last week uh, I can tell you and the family will tell you that, that Ina although she knew that her life here was coming to an end there was no distress there was no anxiety she wasn't fearful she wasn't in a, a state of alarm as can often be as the end draws near. But she was at peace. The peace of heaven was in that room. The peace of heaven was, was in her heart. And she spoke about that sense of joy that she had. She spoke about the, the, the assurance that she had that, that Jesus was close to her all the time. 
The enemy couldn't get near her. You know, it was a sad time, but it was a special time because we could see so clearly uh, that she was ready uh, to meet Jesus. She was looking forward to meeting Jesus. And we know uh, now that she is, is with Jesus. And I want to, to just ask the question uh, this morning of all of us. Uh, are we ready to meet Jesus? All of us will. We, we just not, don't know the day. If Jesus was to return today, or, or if he was to uh, very suddenly call us uh, from this world uh, to, to stand before him, are we ready to meet him? It's the question I want to, to ask. And Luke 18, the passage that we read, addresses that question. The, the question of, of, of how we can be ready, how we can get ready uh, to meet with Jesus, uh, it addresses the question of, of what Jesus will be looking for uh, when he returns or when he calls us to stand before him. He's going to be looking uh, for something uh, in us. You know, whenever I go to the mainland for, for meetings, when I return uh, and the girls come to, to meet me, uh, they're looking for one thing. It's not a hug. It's Krispy Kreme donuts. And they're looking for that. Now, the question is, wh what is Jesus looking for uh, from us? And the answer to that question is, uh, he's looking for faith. Uh, verse 8 uh, says, when the Son of Man, this is Jesus speaking, and he says, when the Son of Man, uh, that's the title he used for himself, he says, when the Son of Man, when I come, uh, will, will I find faith on the earth? So when Jesus comes to us, or, or when, when we stand before uh, Jesus, uh, the thing that he is looking for uh, from us and in us is faith. And, and more precisely, faith, faith in him. We're to be trusting in Christ. So the, the issue really to, to think about in the time that we have is, how can we live today faithfully? How can we live today in a way that, that, that pleases God? How can we live in a way that shows, that evidences the fact that we have faith in Jesus. And there's three, there's three points. Uh, the first thing is we're to live prayerfully. We're to live prayerfully. And the second thing is we're to live humbly. And the third thing is uh, we're to live close to Jesus. So three uh, very uh, simple points in the time that we have. First of all, uh, we're to live prayerfully. And if you uh, look at the first parable... Uh, that message comes through clearly. Uh, and it says there in verse 1, let's just step through the verses. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable. Now for anyone who's not sure of, of the word parable, what it means, a parable is a short story. Uh, it's a, it's a this-worldly story with a heavenly meaning. And this parable, we're told, Jesus, uh, he told to his disciples. So this was not a story that Jesus uh, told for, for the unbelieving masses. Uh, he tells this story for his disciples. This is a story uh, that he tells to those who have faith in him. And we're told up front uh, what the, the punchline of the, of the parable was, what the point of it was. It says there in verse 1, Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And I think immediately we, uh, we, as disciples of Christ, as those who are trusting in Christ, uh, immediately we should hit pause there and take some encouragement from that. 
And you might ask, well, what's the encouragement uh, uh, in, in that opening verse? And, and the encouragement uh, for believers is that uh, Jesus knows that we struggle with prayer. Jesus knows that we, we don't always pray when we should pray. And Jesus knows uh, that sometimes we will be tempted uh, to give up. That's why he says, I'm telling you this story so that you will always pray and not give up. Prayer is hard work. And like all hard work, uh, sometimes we want to take a break and have a snooze. Sometimes we want to to give up. I remember a, a minister in Aberdeen who uh, I listened to for years, uh, and he was a great man of prayer. William Still uh, was his name. And uh, somebody spoke to him one day and said, Mr. Still, uh, we're hearing about the work in Gilcomston Church, and just to let you know, uh, we're praying for the work. And he responded by saying, you're praying for the work. He said, prayer is the work. And it is. Prayer is work. And this parable of Jesus is told to encourage us uh, in the in the work of prayer. And so Jesus uh, continues, verse 2, he said, In a certain time there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared about men, but people. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. So that's the picture that Jesus paints. That's the scene that's set. And this is not some uh, far-fetched story. This, this kind of thing was happening all the time in that place. Uh, wives could become uh, widows very young because life was cheap and life was brutal in that culture. And, uh, and widows had no rights. They had no one in their corner. They were very exposed and very vulnerable uh, when they became uh, widows. And, and judges... Uh, could very often be uh, very unjust people. And Jesus, in, in painting the picture of this judge, he's, he's painting the, the picture of a Roman judge, and they were known to be um, notoriously dishonest. Uh, the way you got a good decision from a Roman uh, judge was you bribed them. If you had no money, you got no decision, no justice. Uh, and so, uh, because of the the vulnerable position of this widow, and because of the character of this unjust judge, things don't look good for this, for this widow. And predictably, verse 4, although she's asking for justice, it says, for some time uh, he, the judge, refused. But finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God uh, or care about uh, men and women, uh, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. So this widow, she doesn't have much in the way of rights. She doesn't have money to trade with, but she has perseverance. Now that was her, her one weapon and, and she just keeps on coming at this judge. Uh, in verse 5, the judge talks about him uh, wearing him out. Wearing him out. Uh, and the word used in the Greek there is a, a word that came from a boxing ring. Literally, uh, what the Greek says is, uh, because this widow, he says in, in verse 5, uh, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually uh, wear me out. Literally, uh, so that she won't uh, beat me up, is what it is, literally. Or it could be translated, so that she won't give me a black eye. Because that was the nature of the way that she came at him. She just came at him. 
relentlessly, time after time after time, She's coming at this unjust judge. And so eventually, uh, because of her perseverance and his exasperation, uh, he he gives her what she asks for. And then the Lord said in verse 6, listen to what the unjust judge says as he grants justice. So what is Jesus teaching here? You know, is Jesus saying that God is like the unjust judge, irritated with our prayers, you know, and reluctant to, to grant us judge? Uh, justice. Well, well, no, he's not saying that at all. He's, he's, he's saying, uh, by way of contrast, that, that uh, God is absolutely not like this unjust judge. God is our Father. He loves us. And he loves justice. And he loves to hear our prayers. And he loves to answer our prayers. So Jesus is saying, because of who God is and his character, which is so unlike this unjust judge, Come to him and pray. Verse 7, will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, says Jesus, he will see that they get justice and quickly. You get the point. If this widow uh, comes to an unjust judge with such uh, perseverance and such hopefulness, how much more should we be encouraged to come uh, to the just judge of all the earth uh, with our prayers? And then there's that word of challenge in verse 8. However, says Jesus, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith, this faith, on the earth? And that's a question that comes to us this morning. As the Son of Man, as Jesus, uh, looks today, into our private lives, as he has power to do, uh, as he as he looks behind the door uh, of our closet, uh, does he find us praying like the widow did? Are we people of prayer? You know, I'm I'm increasingly convinced that um, the greatest action, the the greatest power, uh, the greatest activity uh, comes not from us running around on our feet. But, but it comes from us being still uh, and on our knees before God. I think some of the, the people who we see very little of because of their infirmity are very often uh, the greatest warriors in God's work because they're people of prayer. You know, we, we've lost someone uh, in, our, in our congregation, a prayer warrior. And that should encourage us, it should uh, motivate us uh, to pray. All of us will face injustice. All of us uh, in this world will, will encounter trouble. Jesus told us we will. We will struggle with various things. Do we take it to the Lord in prayer? Or are we running around like headless chickens trying to fix everything? Speak to myself first. And all of us who are Christians, uh, uh, we have friends. You know, we have, we have family members. We have people that we work with. We have people who, uh, whom we love, uh, whom we are close to, and, and we've prayed for them for years. And maybe there's some here this morning uh, of God's people, and uh, you're looking at those that you love, and you just feel like giving up. Nothing's happening. Well, if, if that's you, then this is a word uh, for you. Jesus teaches us through this parable uh, to always pray, to keep on praying, not to give up. 
So one of the ways that we can exercise faith, uh, one of the ways that we can be prepared uh, and ready for the coming of Jesus is to live prayerfully. And the second thing here is we're to live humbly. And we have the second parable still in the realm of prayer. And you can see it uh, from verse uh, 9 down to to verse uh, 14. We'll just very briefly go through it. Jesus says uh, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and, and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. And we asked the question, uh, at the beginning, who is this parable for? Is this a parable uh, that was not for the disciples, but uh, only for non-disciples? And the answer uh, to that is, no, this, this parable was for everyone. The last parable was for the disciples to, to encourage them to keep on praying. This parable is for everyone. This picture uh, has everybody wrapped up in it. Uh, the reality is, the sad reality is, that, that sometimes Christians uh, can be the worst uh, people are looking down on others. Sometimes Christians can look at other people and, and think that we are somehow better than other people, which is completely counter to everything that Jesus teaches. One of the devil's greatest weapons against Christ's people is pride. So we all need to be alert to that pitfall. Uh, and Jesus uh, teaches us here in this parable that we're to be, to be those who live humbly. So he paints the picture again, verse 10. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. And for the crowds who were listening into this, uh, immediately uh, they know what they're thinking. In their minds, what they're thinking is Pharisee, good guy, righteous guy, godly man. Tax collector, bad guy, unrighteous, an enemy of God. Pharisee, saved. Tax collector, lost, right off. So that's what was in their minds if we take ourselves back to their culture. And so then we have the, the prayers that Jesus uh, outlines for us in verse uh, 11 and following. The Pharisee, it says, stood up and prayed about himself. So already we can hear this by definition is not prayer. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. So hit pause there and ask the question, where is the Pharisee's confidence? And the answer, very obviously, is his confidence is in himself. Four times in two verses, he says, I, I fast, I give. And I fast and I give far more than the law requires of me. Uh, my confidence, says the Pharisee in his prayer, is in me, in my good character, in my respectability, in my religion. His prayer is just saturated uh, with pride. He is, by definition, uh, confident in his own righteousness. He's looking down on the tax collector. So that's the first character in prayer. And then Jesus introduces us to the tax collector and says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. The Greek actually is a bit stronger than that. Uh, what he said in his prayer was, God, have mercy on me, the singular sinner. So where is the tax collector's confidence and hope? Is it in himself? Well, absolutely not. 
because all he can see in himself is sin. All he has to say about himself is, I am the sinner. He can't even see anyone else who's a sinner. He just sees himself, his own heart, and the fact that he is the sinner. So where is his only hope? Well, it's in God. It's in the character of God, in the compassion of God, in the mercy of God of God. He, he knows his only hope is, is, is found in crying out and asking God uh, to show mercy. And so he bows his head and he, he beats his breast and he cries out looking for mercy. And Jesus says, I tell you that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other, the Pharisee, went home justified, uh, forgiven before God for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Remember in the scene, um, the minister, the old minister, who's preached here on a number of occasions, he, he told a story about a, a man in uh, his congregation. And this man, uh, he, he was starting to hear the gospel message. You know, uh, the, the message of sin uh, and Jesus was starting to come on the page for him. And um, in some ways he wanted to know the benefit of, of the, the gospel. He wanted to know that God approved of him. He wanted to know uh, that he was saved, that uh, God said, I accept you. But he said to Anasian one day uh, when he came to see him in the, in the vestry, he says, I, I hear this message. I, I want this forgiveness I, I, I want this uh, this salvation I want God's approval but I'm not crying out for mercy all this stuff about groveling on your knees and getting on your knees and begging forgiveness that's not for a man like me I'm a professional man people look up to me I have a reputation to maintain I can't be groveling around in the gutter and so he couldn't be saved as long as that spirit uh, was in him uh, pride was in the way uh, William Bartley says, uh, the gate of heaven is so low that no one can enter save upon his knees. Pride has to give way if we are to be justified before God. Pride has to give way before our sin can be taken away. Uh, so all of us need to, need to pray this prayer of the tax collector and come before God and, and say on our knees, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. And that's not a once-in-a-lifetime prayer. That's an everyday prayer. I keep sinning every day, every hour. So I need to keep on repenting. I need to keep on uh, crying out to God, God, have mercy on me, the sinner. And I want to ask the question, uh, have you prayed uh, that prayer yet? God, have mercy on me, the sinner. And I want to ask that question, did you pray it today? God have mercy on me, the sinner. In order for us to be prepared to meet with Jesus, in order for us to be uh, ready for his coming, we need to live humbly. No pride. We need to live humbly. We need to live prayerfully. And just in a word to close, uh, we need to live close to Jesus. It's that simple. And we finish uh, with uh, not a parable, but with a, a very simple picture. Uh, verses 15 to 17, people uh, were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them, to bless them. When the disciples saw this, they, they rebuked them. 
But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child uh, will never enter it. And so we have this beautiful picture to finish of little children being brought to Jesus and little children coming willingly to Jesus. What do they have in their hands? Nothing. What have they got to offer Jesus to make him accept them? Nothing. They just came to Jesus. They understood that they could trust Jesus, that he loved them, and they understood that it was good to be close to Jesus. And so they came to him. Jesus says, let them come. This is where everybody is to come. Jesus wants us to come to him uh, this morning like little children, trusting in him, trusting in, in what he's done for us on the cross. Not, not trying to prove ourselves like the Pharisees, saying, Jesus, did you notice that I, I was in church four times last week? I read 16 chapters of the Bible on Thursday. You know, I've done this, I've done that, I've done the next thing. I fast, I pray, I do this, I do the next thing. Showing it all to Jesus, is this enough for you? See how much better I am, how much more effort I put into my religion than the guy across the road? It's not how we come to Jesus. We don't come shaking our good works at him. We don't come shaking our religious CV at him and saying, is this, is this enough to make me acceptable? Because there's nothing that's enough to make us acceptable. Even our best good works are like filthy rags before God. The way he wants us to come to him is with empty hands, humble hearts, saying, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He wants us to come like little children uh, who, who love him and who want to be close to him. You know, like the hymn puts it, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for, for dress. Helpless, come to thee for grace. Foul, the sinner, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. That's the way we come to Jesus. It's so simple, so childlike. That's the way we come. And that's the way we stay close to Jesus. So can I ask, have you, have you come to him? Are you still trying to build up some religious portfolio? Beef up your theology. As if that's going to open the door of heaven for you. It's not going to open the door of heaven for you. The work is finished. The price is paid. And he says, come to me. Trust me. Believe in me. Stay close to me. And if we live that way, close to Jesus, prayerfully, humbly, trusting in him, we will be ready. We will be prepared for the day when he comes or for the day when he calls us to come to him. We'll pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, these parables and these pictures that, uh, that tell us how we can be your disciples, how we can be Christians, how we can be saved eternally, how we can be ready uh, to meet you. And we pray uh, for faith that we may not just hear, but that we may act on all that you teach us so that we uh, will know the assurance of being ready uh, for the day that we stand before you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship, the comfort 
of God the Holy Spirit be with us all, now and evermore. Amen.